0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by one of the men of Moses Lake Baptist Church. We hope that it is a blessing to you and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, good. Well, I wanna uh, just start tonight with a story. Um, A a few years ago, there was a a semi-truck driving down I-5 South, South of Portland, Oregon, and uh, cruise control set at 65 miles an hour, just there in the right lane, going on his business. There' was a, a BMW comes around the on-ramp and uh, gives it the full beans, everything it's got, puts it in race car mode, steps on the accelerator. That BMW hits that on-ramp, breaks its tires loose, does some fish tailing. Smacks right in the side of that semi-truck trailer. That semi-truck, he uh, hits the concrete barrier off to the right. Comes up on that concrete barrier, flips over, and uh, just skids there along the freeway. And uh, as he skids there along the freeway and comes to a stop, he's sitting there, still in his seat. The only thing holding him up is that seat belt strapped around him just suspended in midair. And the passerby that had seen the wreck stops. He runs over to the truck, yelling at the truck driver, Sir, you got to get out. Sir, get out. Your truck's on fire. Get out. And the, the intensity of it raises. And as this truck's on fire, uh, the, the dryer starts to feel that intense heat, that heat on the back um, as he's sitting there. And this passerby's, you know, the the door during the flip had come open somehow. And somehow that door uh, was open, that passerby trying to help that driver get out of his seatbelt. And to no avail, he wasn't able to help him. And the fire got so intense, that passerby had to back up. It had to back up, and the only thing he could do was hope that that driver could somehow get free from that seatbelt and get out of that truck. Finally, that driver found his seatbelt. He unclicked. And as soon as he did that, he just fell against the frame of that door. But he was able to get out, and the heat becoming more intense and more intense, uh, he, he was able to escape the fire of this truck. And uh, as I tell this story, the story is um, one of, Carlos, you have a, a picture there. This is the truck on the freeway. The only thing left of it was the frame of the truck, the, the block of that engine, and nothing that would resemble a semi-truck. And 80,000 pounds of live crab in the back that had cooked from the fire, just a stench beyond all. And uh, this is actually a a story of my father. And uh, my father, um, this day, uh, was hit by this driver and flipped over. I I consider it a blessing, and I'll tell you why. My father, growing up, wasn't one who regularly attended church. He wasn't one that was faithful in the word, wasn't one who was faithful in sharing the gospel. And on this day or after this day, I saw a real change in my father. I saw a change that he um, rededicated his life for Christ. He started sharing the gospel, getting involved in ministry, uh, leading Bible studies, everything. And uh, when I see this I, I guess this uh, realization, or what I'll call tonight this motivation, this second chance at life, where he was able to escape this truck and realize, hey, I have a greater purpose here. I have a greater purpose, and my, my time here on earth is short. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, a lot of times um, motivation's a pretty good tool for us, is it not? You know, I think we can think in times in our lives when we've been motivated by something uh, to accomplish what we're after. And uh, that, that motivation's a, an important tool to really help us to get some things done. And tonight I want to talk about our mission and really what motivates us to complete our mission. And uh, in church, you know, as Pastor talked about, we, we talk a lot about missions and missionaries, you know, typically those who are called, and they leave home and they bring that gospel to a, a people who've never heard it or a people who um, just... Uh, they have a heart for, that they want to minister unto. And a lot of us, we have a lot of great respect for these missionaries. Uh, we pray for them. We give, we give to them. And we support them. And, um, but oftentimes, I think, we don't, we don't necessarily have that same heart that we hear, that they share with us, that, that they have for the people they're going to serve. And sometimes their mission doesn't necessarily feel like our mission. And uh, But I think outside of church, you know, people talk about missions, too. You think uh, of, of the military or law enforcement. They have missions to complete. They have, uh, you know, they're on, uh, search and rescue. Uh, they're, they're sent on uh, search and recover or reconnaissance, this, this uh, mission finding of, of some information, uh, or some seek and destroy. You know, those are just a, a few missions that I think, you know, we can think about a mission really is the carrying out of an important assignment. That's what that means, carrying out of an important assignment. And I want to ask tonight, what is your mission in life? What is your uh, important assignment? And what special task has God called you uh, to carry out? And I think that we we need to look at what objective in life do we attach our special importance to? You You know, if we think about it, does God only give these special missions to special people? Or does he give them to ordinary people as well? I think that the Bible outlines that all Christians we share in the same mission. And Jesus gave us that mission in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. He says, go, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am, always, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You know, this approach that we have to missions will, will look different person to person, right? But that mission that we have as Christians is always the same, whether it looks different or not. Your approach in life may be sharing Jesus Christ with a family member, a friend, a coworker. worker uh, it, it can involve helping new churches like our own Micah Bosworth start up a new church, It can be even called to to some sort of ministry and surrendering to to that full time. Regardless what it is or what it looks like, our shared mission, our shared assignment is to share Jesus Christ. And simply knowing that mission, you guys, it's not enough. We can't just know the mission. we got to get the most most out of that. And uh, it takes some action. And today we'll be looking, if you guys want to turn to Luke 10. We'll be looking in that that passage of scripture, Luke 10. So we're going to see Jesus sharing with us what our motivation should be as we look at his mission for us. So as you turn there, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and we'll get started here tonight. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for this evening. We thank you just for the opportunity to be here to worship you. And uh, Father, to uh, glorify you with your word. And uh, Father, I pray uh, just here that um, what you've allowed me to prepare would just come across the way that you would want it to come across, and Lord, that uh, these words would uh, just speak to our church, that they'd be encouraging, and uh, Lord, that you would just uh, use them to glorify you. Lord, we just uh, look here tonight at um, why we should be motivated, and Lord, will you just uh, show us some practical ways in our lives that, that Lord, we can um, make some changes or some adjustments to... Uh, really look at what you would have for us. Father, we love you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Jesus, uh, he was well known at his time for miracles. He was known for some great teachings. And as you know, as you read through the Bible, uh, he, wasn't, he didn't have a hard time getting people to listen to him. Right? People came from all over. They wanted to know what Jesus had to say. And Jesus' aim wasn't only to get their attention. It was to get their attention and have them do something with it. He wanted them to recognize that there was some action to be taken. And uh, Jesus knew that there was much more to just being religious. There there was things to do with what was being taught. So if we look here, if you guys would uh, just look there at Luke 10, Verse 1, it says, After these things the Lord appointed other 70 also, and sent them two and two before his face, into every city and place, whither he himself would come. Therefore said, said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. So really what we see here in this text is, is Jesus is sharing some motivation for us to really get actively involved in sharing our mission or God's mission and getting involved in missions. This is why he sent 70 followers into the town ahead of him. He was, he was preparing that town, preparing those people for his, him entering into that town. It was really like them greasing the wheels before he ever uh, stood foot into that city. And uh, I think at... at Moses Lake Baptist Church, if we, if we think about the same thing, we have that same calling as these 70 did. We're, we're uh, preparing for people to meet Jesus. Just as those 70 went into the city for them to meet Jesus, that's what, that's what our uh, mission is here. And uh, the question I I just want to look at tonight is what motivates us for that? What motivates us to to really help prepare hearts or help to, uh, I I guess, prepare the way. We can't really prepare hearts, but prepare the way and and do things here um, that we can make a difference. So the first uh, motivation I want to see out of uh, verse 2 here is the harvest. It's the harvest. You know, we live in an agriculture community, so I don't think it's too hard to really picture what a harvest looks like. You know in the spring, a farmer goes out, typically in our day and age, takes their equipment out, and they uh, till the soil. They turn that soil, and they plant their crop. And that, that crop could be anything from corn and wheat, potatoes, uh, whatever, whatever it is to be planted, they plant that in the ground. And uh, my, my father-in-law, he's a potato farmer here in the area, and one thing I noticed for him is once he goes through that that springtime, going through that crop planting, the work's not done. There's a lot more to do. Uh, he has fertilizer to apply. Every day he's watching uh, with the different weather how much water is making it to the plants, how how much moisture is in the soil. Uh, he's he's collecting the soil samples, those leaf samples to see hey how are the crops doing, and he's uh, maintaining equipment and uh, you know really. Uh, catching weeds and bugs to make sure that they don't make it in to where the crop is growing. And then he's patiently waiting and patiently working until those fields are ready for harvest. And you know what that harvest is, right? That harvest is when you go out and gather the crops that have been grown. It's when your crops have matured and they're ready, they're ripe, and uh, they're ready to be brought in. I think for most of us, in, in layman's terms, that's when you get to cash in on your hard work, right? You get cash in on that. And uh, the harvest is, is really the whole reason the farmer goes out and farms, right? Every work that is put into that field, into that crop, is, is simply for that harvest. And I, I think it's, um, you know, the, the important thing for us to be reminded of when we look at our mission is, uh, if we don't know what our purpose is, it's easy to lose sight of what we're after in the first place. If the farmer loses sight of what they're doing, they're kind of just going in circles and not really understanding. But their sight, their focus is on harvest. So everything they do is for that harvest. You know, before I go any further, um, I, I want to just focus on, just point it, point it blankly. I think we know what I'm talking about here, but what's the harvest for our church? right? What's that crop that we're going after? It's people. Our harvest is people. And it's the same thing that Jesus came here for, and that's people, that's us. And uh, we we desire to share in in our efforts and our time, really sharing the power of God, how God changed us so that we may have a better harvest out of that. We want to share God's forgiveness. We want to share his grace, his love with others. That's the mission, and uh, you see, it's, it's really when we see people's lives that are touched by Christ, it's, uh, it's that fertilizer you put on that life, right, as we talk about crops, that fertilizer, that they'll be changed, and when that seed, that seed receives the proper nutrition, when it receives the, the proper care, um, it will begin to produce something, and that's really what the farmer's after, and you guys, that's what we're after, okay, okay? And uh, our mission is to see people really become fruitful. Our mission is to, pe- to see people as God intended them to be and to find what their their purpose is. And that's really why we, we need to get uh, involved here at church. That's why we need to get involved because we believe as people become more prepared uh, towards the things of God, uh, they begin serving, they begin giving back and providing that nutrition, providing um, that fertilizer into other seeds. And that's really, you know, why we focus so much on our neighbors. That's why we focus on our, our coworkers and our family is uh, we want them to be more open to the message of Jesus Christ and we want it to be not just talk, but action. You know, I think with, uh, if you guys think about the modern day grocery store, I think it's, it's hard sometimes that most of us don't get the joy to, to see that harvest. Right? We walk into a grocery store, the produce is all laid out. We get to be picky about if it has a spot or blemish and uh, decide what to take home and what not to. And most of the time you take it home, it doesn't taste good anyway. But uh, especially if it's green. Hey, Amen over here somewhere, right? Yeah? Yeah? All right. You know. And uh, I think as we look at that, that grocery store and just going in and finding uh, what we want, I think a lot of times our, our churches are falling into that same trap. People come in and just get what they want and they leave. There's no part of the harvest involved in that, right? And so, um, you know, one of the things I was thinking of is uh, we have a garden at home. And it's one of the things my wife has been teaching our kids, uh, really the the joy of planting a seed, watching that grow into a a little green something or other, and uh, taking it out to the planter box and planting it and watering it and nourishing it, protecting it from the windstorms and um, really seeing that come to a point where it produces fruit. And there's really this great joy of watching Silas go out to one of the boxes, one of the the tomato vines, and determining what tomato he's going to pick from that vine to, to be his tasty snack before he ever gets to the house. You know, it's, it's, that joy of watching Ezekiel sift through the strawberry plants to find that that red strawberry. In this case, we have some albino strawberries this year—the white ones. They're kind of confusing, but they're delicious, right? But just seeing that joy of that harvest—you um, know, there's a lot of a lot of, um, I guess, joy in it. There's a lot of joy in seeing that that come to be, and I think that's the same for us because when we grow something and, and we. Uh, work towards that harvest we were there's a lot of preparation that goes into it a lot of a lot of time and a lot of um, uh, making sure that everything's being done to bring that harvest to the dinner table and there's a this great appreciation you know we talked about in the store, you look for that that, that fruit or that vegetable without blemish and when we grow it from the garden sometimes we don't care because we know what's been nourished and we know what's happened to it and uh, we're ready to just have that a part of our dinner and there's a great appreciation for that process that takes place and I think that's the same thing for believers uh, in the church and uh, you know when when folks participate in that the the ministries and the harvest there's a, there's a great reward in, in that process okay and let's take a few of these examples a little bit further hear what I'm thinking you know as a Same thing. I I spoke about my father-in-law growing potatoes. Imagine if he planted his potatoes and then went on vacation. And just out of that, um, you know, or or let's say my my kids planted a watermelon and then assumed that Christy's going to water it and nurture it and look after it and make sure everything's going good. And when they come back to examine their harvest, when they come back to collect that yield or whatever's been planted, they're expecting something to be there, right? But there may be some disappointment. There may be some disappointment in that. And, uh, and you know, for the farmer, it might be them thinking, you know, hey, I can take this vacation. I, I'm a believer. I, I, I'm going to have faith that God's going to take care of my crop. Um, or for the kids, assuming that, hey, mom's going to take care of this and I'll, I'll enjoy that watermelon when it's ready. And I think sometimes we, we have that same approach in church where we think, hey, we know that the harvest is out there, and we just expect it to happen. We just expect there to be fruit or produce at the end of that, but we haven't done any work, right? And we assume that someone else will have attended to that. We assume that, that you know if, if, if someone's meant to be saved or someone's meant to come to church and hear the gospel— well, it's meant to be. It'll just happen. I don't need to do anything. And I think it's a shame as, as Christians that uh, if we knew that God planted this abundant field out there, and it's planted and it's ready to be cared for, yet we don't care for it. And that's a shame. You know, there's, a, there's an abundant field of souls ready for heaven. And if we just sit around waiting for that, that fruit to harvest itself, we're in for a rude awakening. Right? 1 Corinthians uh, 3, 6 through 9, it says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planted anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building." You know, I think if you take this and really look at, imagine the fair booth this last week, okay? There's those who served, there's those who prayed, passed out invitation, had conversations. There were folks in this church that had a desire to see people either come to church or come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And seeing that fruit, even this morning, I don't know about you, I saw some new visitors here. Seeing that fruit was encouraging because you had a part in it. And when you have a part in that, um, you know, there's a, there's a great joy in it. And members of our, our church who maybe weren't able to participate in that outreach or uh, any other outreaches, I don't think there's as, uh, as much of a joy in it. I don't think there's as much of a, a you know, really a, an investment in that piece of ministry. Sometimes, you know, if we're not involved in something we see a stranger in our seat at church, sometimes we're grumbling thinking, man, what's that person there? Why are they there in my seat? And here we have 20 other people that have prayed for that person to just show up to church, right? And so, you know, that's, that's one of those things that, you know, when, when we're involved in that harvest, when we're involved in that, um, we, we have great anticipation to see what God's going to do through it, right? And so um, you, you really start to develop this special appreciation for the things that you have your hands in. You know, when, when my brother and I, we were growing up, uh, we, we spent many a summers with my grandparents. They lived on the Cowlitz the River in southwest Washington. And in these summers, almost every morning, we went out faithfully down to the river trying to catch that big salmon. Every morning. We only caught little ones, okay? Never caught the big one. But every morning, the anticipation was, we'll go down, we'll go fishing, and if we could catch a fish before Grandma rang the, the breakfast bell for us to come back, her, her promise was she would take that fish and fry it up for us for breakfast. So every every morning we went out. And every time that I caught a fish, I became more motivated. I became more excited. And uh, I just wanted to go back out and fish again because there's this, uh, there's something about catching a fish, reeling it in, and having something to eat, right? And uh, I hear Mike over here. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. And, uh, you know, that was one of the things, and, I will admit, there were many days that I went fishing and I didn't catch anything, Right? right? I'll tell you, I quit long before my brother did. He was, he was out continuing to fish. If he didn't find something in that spot, we were up the river, someone else's property, fishing in their hole. And I was throwing rocks out because I was bored. But he kept, he kept going, right? You know, I think unlike fishing in a river, Jesus doesn't have us fishing in a dry spot, okay? He tells us in verse 2, the harvest is truly great guys, that means it's plentiful. That means there's an abundance. And that means that people are surrounding us who are hungry to hear about what God has for them. But that harvest isn't going to happen until God's people are motivated to go get that harvest. And I'm going to confidently say, I think most people in here want to see people saved. Most people in here want to share the gospel. And uh, that's not where I'm getting at. But to see those results... We have to be willing to get out, okay? And uh, it would be like if I ran into a burning building and I knew there were people inside and my goal was, hey, I want to go save one person. No, that's not going to be my goal. My goal is if I'm running into a burning building, I want to get as many people out of that building as possible, right? And what happens when you get those people out of that building? See that joy on their face that you probably just saved their life? That's life-changing, Right, you see, you see the fruits of what you've done. You know, I I know pastors' joy here at, for Moses Lake Baptist Church is to to look years from now backwards, and look and see the impact that this church had on on our community, right? To reflect on how God used His people to surrender themselves to say, "Hey, I'm ready to go out for that harvest," right? And that's the that's that difference. That's the you know looking at. Um, you know, have a, do I have that desire as well? Do I have that desire to go out and see those folks saved? You know, how, how cool would it be to years from now go back and say, you know, when, when I see young people grow up and dedicate their lives to the Lord and live for the Lord, those kids that went to our church and learned about you know, what God would have for them and their love and, and mercy and kindness for them, what a great joy that would be. What a great joy it would be that our testimony might have an impact on a friend or someone else's marriage, right? What an impact that might have on on someone who's saved, who later on maybe graduates and goes to see their Savior face-to-face, bittersweet as it may be. What a joyful thing. A joyful thing that you were part of that harvest. That should be what motivates us. That should be what says, hey, I'm ready for this harvest. So we see our first motivation is the harvest. And I want to look at our second motivation here, and that is a need for workers. You know, Jesus told those 70 workers uh, who were to go out into the surrounding community that there's a huge harvest. It's uh, God has it waiting. But what did he say also? The workers were few. Right, And as I prepared for this lesson, I, you know, it really got kind of an image in my head. You know, we have a, a youth rally coming up, and I was, I was thinking... What if all the work went into inviting youth and inviting other churches to have their youth come? And we had a pastor on their way to come give a message. And uh, through that, we had um, the money that was given, bribe candy that was ready, fields that our new property that were mowed, games that were set up ready to play. And through that, those teenagers come here, more than 200 of them that are signed up come here And when they get here, there's there's no one to love on them. There's no one to care for them. There's no one to labor for God through this event. And so I I think that harvest, when we look at it, is people have to be involved in the harvest. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's not great to to go mow that field in preparation. It's not great to to get some candy so we can bribe some teenagers to to close their mouths, right? Right. It, there's some greatness in that. There's some, some reward in that to be able to have this event. But God also says we need laborers. We need people that will help. And, and what, a, what a detriment it would be if we have this event and no one shows up to help, right? You see, Robert with hair now, he won't have any by the end of this, right? So, you know, this, when we look at this word laborers, it comes from, the, from a Greek word ergotis, and that really translates to workmen. These laborers are workmen. It's the same, same meaning you get out of uh, folks who worked in the field or in the vineyards. Right? They go out, there was some work to be done. And uh, you know, as, uh, was, as we look at that, the, the point I really want to get across here is I think oftentimes when we look at our mission, our mission for, for seeing people come to Christ, oftentimes we don't want to put in that effort. But when it says laborers, we need to understand there's some work involved here. There's some work that, that God is calling us to do to make this happen. That word ha- has easy nowhere suggested in it. And uh, it's going to take some dedication. It's going to take some sacrifice. And, uh, but so does preparing for that harvest. So does going out and tilling that field and working that field. And, uh, you know, it's going to take time. It's going to take money, prayer and commitment. It's gonna take some dedication, and uh, you know that work will be hard. But we need to understand that harvest is gonna be so worth it. You know, I, I think an interesting to w- way to think about it um, is, it, honestly, if God wanted to, He doesn't need us, right? God doesn't need us to um, to, to get His harvest. He doesn't need us to to win people or to share the gospel with them so that he can capture their hearts. He can do it himself, right? But I think the great thing is when we understand that God works through us, he gives us the mission. He prepares us to be able to do this. I think that's the beauty of it, is that, that he will use us to bring in that harvest. What happens if that harvest isn't brought in? I'm sure you guys can think of if uh, one of the fields around here that if a farmer doesn't go get that harvest, it's going to spoil, right? That, that frost, the first frost of the season will uh, just, just kill that, that produce or kill whatever's happening, or it'll be, become overripe, right? But it'll just, it'll just spoil in and of itself. And uh, Romans 10, verse 14 through 15, it says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they in him of whom they have not heard, and how shall They hear without a preacher, and how shall they preach except they be sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You know, I'm so thankful to be a part of a church who has who hasn't lost sight of that harvest. Right? We haven't lost sight of that harvest. But I'm afraid that there's many, many churches around who are losing that sight, who are losing the sight of, hey, we're here to get the gospel message out. We're here to prepare people's hearts. We're here to love and care for them so that they might sit in a pew here on Sunday morning as as pastor gives a gospel message that the Holy Spirit might grab their attention and say, I need that. I need that hope, right? How are they ever gonna get in the church if you didn't go knock on a door, if you didn't pass out an invitation, if you didn't sit down with that coworker in that greatest need and invite them to church? How are they ever going to sit in a chair here to hear a message? How are they ever going to want you to sit with them and open a Bible and show them the living words of life? They're not going to. And I I think it's, you know, we look at every mainstream denomination around the world and we realize that, that every one of them is declining in membership. Not just two or three of them, every single one. And that's not by coincidence, right? And I think that for us, church, I think that's for us. We need to look at this as a motivation. We need to say, hey, the workers are even fewer than they've been. We need to step it up. We must not lose sight of our objective. We must not lose sight of our mission, and that is to get that, that news of Jesus Christ out there. And uh, if we don't know what our mission is, we're not gonna be motivated, okay? So um, I, I think, you know, when we lose, lose that motivation, Uh, We can walk by people every day and not realize that they're lost. You know, I I think it's that same thing when if you go to a football game and you watch that game on the field, but you forget the 80,000 people in the stands who are lost. When when our children go to school, or some of you teenagers in here, when you go to school, uh, do you see the many that don't know Christ, right? When we go to work, Oftentimes, the work that's in front of us, the task that we've been hired for, is the only thing on our mind, and we're not seeing the many that we work with that are in, in, in deep pain or deep, um, and just, just being lost. They need some hope, and they need Jesus. You know, this week, I, I had an employee who came into my office, and uh, just a lot of fear. It's a lot of fear, and you know, a lot of things in the political climate going on, obviously, uh, you know, getting caught up in some not-so-positive thoughts. But she asked me, you know, what am I supposed to do when things feel so helpless? As a Christian, you know, it just seems like everything's falling apart. What am I supposed to do? And, you know, I, I took some, some time to share with her that I believed it's because our focus was wrong. And I think our focus should, should really be on the lost, not getting lost in the social media, right? Our, our focus should be to glorify Christ, not glorify our opinions for the world to see. And our, our focus should be to encourage the hopeless, not be the hopeless. You know, I, I think so often it's, it's easy to get caught up in ourselves and the events of the world around us that we forget the power of God. We forget that God created the universe in six days and he's still here. We forget that his love, mercy, kindness, he gave that all to us. We forget that his promises, though they're not wealth, though they're not health, though though they're not prosperity, his promises are are to never leave us or forsake us. And, And I think we forget that once upon a time, we were just like the lost, right? But remember, there was a faithful servant out there who stood up and said, God, here am I. I'm willing I'm, I'm ready to go out. I'm, I'm willing and able to serve, and I'm, I'm saying yes to the harvest. And guess what? You were that harvest. And they said yes. And I think that's one of the things that, that for our community, to be, our community to be transformed, for our, our coworkers and our neighbors to be impacted by Christ, we're going to have to begin to open our eyes and see people like Christ sees them. We need to realize that, that they're going to be lost, and God's calling upon us to reach them you need to be willing to say, God, here am I. I am willing and able, and I'm ready for the harvest. And let's be, let's be motivated by the fact that, that there is a need for laborers. You know, we, we see our motivation for a harvest. We also see our, our motivation for workers. Lastly here, I just want to see that our, our final motivation for missions is that God will provide us the ability to win people. As you guys may be looking there in, in Luke 10 too, you might think, uh, I don't see where it says that, Dustin. It doesn't quite say that. You know, I, I don't think it says it directly. But what it does say is that, that God will send out laborers into the harvest. It's not a suggestion that we see there. It's a command. And I think as, as believers, we need to understand God's not going to command us to go do something that's not going to produce fruit. So our motivation is God's going to provide us the ability to win people. You know, uh, it reminded me, Christy and I took a, a trip to Cameroon, Africa, back in 2012. I remember sitting there in a parking lot. We stopped at a gas station, and the missionary that we were with went into the store, came back out, and he was sitting there. said, hey, I was reminded of a story of an American pastor just the last time I was at this gas station. This American pastor and I were sitting in the truck, And and, uh, one of the, um, there was a native Cameroonian that had come up to the window. It was a a gentleman that that missionary had led to the Lord. And he looks through the window and sees this American pastor sitting there. And he says, are you the one? And the pastor's like, what do you mean am I the one? He's like, are you the one here to share Jesus with us? See, this this Cameroonian man knew the need for his community to hear about Christ. And he was just wondering, hey, is there, is there a man that's going to come and share this with them? And, you know, I, I think it's, you know, not everyone's going to respond like that, right? Not everyone's going to have that, that same response. And I, I think it's something for us to keep in mind. But let me tell you something encouraging, that, that there is someone waiting out there. There is someone who needs that hope of Jesus Christ and someone to, to show and point them to the promises of someone who will give them new life, will give them hope, will give them joy. And uh, maybe, maybe you're like me, and this part of the mission is completely hard. Because I'll stand up here and, and be the first one uh, to say that uh, at times I'm not motivated because I'm afraid, okay? Uh, at times I, I feel inadequate. And uh, I, I don't want to feel look stupid or feel rejected. Um, you know, I... I think, honestly, I'd rather sit out in 100-degree weather for five hours talking to a car than I would having a conversation with a stranger. That's just the reality of how I feel about it. But that feeling can be normal. And, you know, that issue of our, you know, this this issue, even in the days of Christ, uh, we see that very same thing. And I think Jesus was preparing his disciples to go out and share the gospel, and he told them that it would be hard. He told them that that they would come to cities that would reject them. He told them that uh, they would be delivered up to religious leaders, to different governors, to kings. And delivered up is not a good thing, right? And so uh, if we look in in, uh, Luke 10, verses 19 to 20, it says, But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak. For it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. That's great encouragement. Some great encouragement. It doesn't matter necessarily what I say. It's what God can do when I'm willing. You know, I, I remember to this day the first time I went out door knocking. I, uh, I was terrified. I, I didn't know how. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I knew my pastor at the time had encouraged people, hey, why don't you go door, door knocking just like you do, Pastor, up here? Hey, if you don't know how to go hand out an invitation, go with someone who knows how. I went up to Pastor and dropped my pride and said, Pastor, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm terrified. Can I go with you? He said, Sure, let's go. I remember that day going up to an apartment complex. We knocked on a door, and a gentleman lived by himself, answered the door. And uh, my pastor said, he said, hey, I'm Brandon. He said, hey, we're just out inviting folks to church. And I uh, just wanted to see if you had a church that you go to. The gentleman said, no, I don't. He said, okay, I have, I have one simple question for you then. He said, if you were to die today, how sure are you that you go to heaven? 25, 50, 75, 100% sure. The, the young gentleman said, uh, probably 50%. Probably, yeah, definitely 50%. Pastor Brandon stood there and he said, you know, what what if you could be 100% sure? He said, you can't know 100% if you're gonna go to heaven. I said, sure enough. After a conversation, the man invites us inside or sitting on his couch. Moments later, after showing scripture to him, you see right there on his couch, he surrendered his life to the Lord. And I think, you know, I was terrified to go that day. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. But I knew one thing that if I'm willing and I'm able, it doesn't matter what I say. It's what the Holy Spirit's able to do with my willingness. Colossians 1, to 20, 28 says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world and things which are despised. Hath God chosen ye the things that... Uh, which are not to bring to naught things that are. You know, God can can use a foolish thing like me to bring him glory. And I I just have to be willing to say yes. I have to be willing to put him priority in my life and say God, I am willing and he'll do something for us or with that. You know, I think if if that obedience, you know, to to Christ, to share him with others, God will, if we have that obedience, God will give us what we need to say. You know, half the time, I, I feel like I can't even form a coherent sentence, let alone go share with someone um, knowledge that, that uh, matters for their eternity. And, uh, you know, I, I think obviously what he's looking is just for obedience, for people to go out for that harvest. You know, a pastor this morning shared a message of, um, it was your grandfather, right, in the bus ministry, Another bus ministry story by happenstance here. Uh, Norman Geisler is a Christian writer, and he told a story of how he became a follower of Christ. He came from a family that that did not know Christ, and at the age of nine, uh, he started taking the bus. And every week, the same bus driver showed up, picked him up. He went to church, heard a sermon, and he went home. And he did this until he was age 17 when he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior, he figured he probably rode that bus for 400 weeks. 400 different times the same man picked him up in that bus. That same man took him to church. And his looking back, he said it was the faithfulness of that bus driver to pick him up every week. It was, uh, it was that that led, eventually led him to accept Christ into his life. And the lessons he learned from this, don't give up on people don't think that what you do is so small that it won't have an eternal impact because it may take 400 times for someone to change their mind or more, or more. So church, it's going to take the faithfulness of our mission to reach people for Jesus. That should be our number one objective. And the fact of the matter is people can't grow in a relationship with Christ if they don't know Christ first. Okay? So God promises us that if we're obedient to his call, and, uh, that, that we will see that harvest. And uh, you know, I, I think each service we have, we should expect that God will do something with that service. And if we expect that, then that means that we need to be getting people here, that we need to be getting seeds planted, that we need to nourish and, and, and fertilize and, and, and nurture everything for that to occur. And, you know, those of you who attend Sunday morning, I know that you guys can probably think, um, those of you who for some time have been here, I think even a year ago, um, there's a lot of new faces here. And I think that's the truth of, of Luke 10.2 is saying is that motivation for our mission is God will provide us the opportunity to win people. So um, I, I, just in conclusion, I, I just want to say we, we have a great mission in front of us. A great mission, and it may not be in that foreign country, may not be away from our families and what's comfortable, but we need to labor. There's some work involved, and we need to step up for what God has for us and um, be ready for that harvest. God needs us. He needs the laborers and the work to be done, and he will provide the ability to win people. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.